There is so much that the Word of God has to say about the institution of marriage. And I want to, uh, let's just dive in by looking at the Scripture. Right there, 1 Peter chapter 3. It starts by saying, Wives, in the same way, submit, to your, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the Word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornments, such as elaborate hairstyles, the wearing of gold, jewelry, or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Verse 7, husbands in the same way be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, I want to say something. First of all, I put funny memes up first because this is a heavy passage of Scripture, right? Come on, be honest this morning. And here's the thing. This is the point I want to drive home this morning. Because initially, I was joking with Stephen Walsh. He was like, you all stuck me with 1 Peter chapter 3. You get all the other 1 Peter, and I get the one that starts, wives, submit to your husbands at the top. Like, thanks a lot. That's how the schedule fell. But listen, here's the thing I want to drive home. If you, there's two ditches we can fall into with this type of scripture. Number one is we can view this with, cultural eyes of today, okay, with what society is saying about love, about the roles of men and women. We can fall into that ditch. Do you understand what I'm saying? The second ditch you can fall into is not reading scripture passages like this with a larger context of what the word says about marriage and the relationship in men and women, right? You can pick this out and be like, oh, that's so old school. And then, you know, Abraham, uh, Sarah obeyed Abraham. Oh, that's really outdated, right? You understand what I'm saying? And you miss, especially and without study of the word. How many of you know you need to be studying the word for your own? Not just reading it, but digging in and questioning it and saying, what does this really mean? And where is this backed up? And how can this be taken out of context? Amen. So what we're going to do this morning, we're going to, I'm going to teach about this, and then we're going to read this same passage at the end through the lens of a broader view of marriage. Does that make sense this morning? And um, let's just dive right in. I want to give us four principles of marriage this morning. We're going to look at lots of other scriptures as well. Four principles of marriage. Now, we are not going to talk this morning from a modern cultural perspective. Can I get an amen on that? You can get plenty of that elsewhere. We're going to talk biblically this morning. And some of your buttons might get pushed, but this is the Word of God. Amen? And this is a church that teaches and preaches the Word of God. So don't worry. I'll go easy on you, though. But we're not going to compromise it. All right? Four principles of marriage. Number one, we'll dive right in. Number one is understanding God's order. All right? Say God's order. Understanding God's order. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? He's never changing, and his word doesn't change. And he established an order of things. Now, we can love it, we can hate it, 
We can argue with it. We can disagree. But the fact of the matter is God created an order of things, and we are living in a society that is absolutely, can I just be honest this morning, just coming unhinged, running away from the order of God. And when you remove the order of God, there is a, there's a vacuum that's left. What's a vacuum? A vacuum is nothingness. And what happens? Think about the vacuum in your house. We just bought a new vacuum last night, and it worked great because our old one was, we realized it wasn't doing anything because they only last 12 months nowadays, apparently. I was telling my kids, big tangent, but I was telling, explaining to my kids all about vacuums last night, and I was explaining the one that my grandparents had that was huge and like made of steel, like solid steel, and it was so loud that it used to scare me when I was a little kid. I was afraid I was going to get sucked up into that, and that thing lasted 45 years. No joke. I think they still have it in their closet from the 60s. But a vacuum, that was a big tangent. A vacuum, when there is space in a vacuum, anything can fill that, right? And we're seeing in society as we move away from God's order, specifically in the roles of men and women that God ordained, amen, even issues of gender, we are seeing that void, that vacuum be filled with whatever anyone thinks is right right? So much so, it's continuing, and now we have kids in school who are told they can be cats. I'm not making it up. You all know it. I'm not making this up to drive a point home. You can be a cat, and you can have a litter box, and you can meow, and we're going to respect that because that's what you've chosen to fill that void, right? And so we're, we're actually enabling mental illness, and it if you, it stems from us not saying, no, there's an order that God has established. Are you with me? So understanding God's order. God created two genders, male and female. Say amen. I'm going to say it again. God created two genders, male and female. Let's look at Genesis 1.26. We're going to look at a lot of scripture. Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all creatures that move along the ground. 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And we need to not be afraid to say that. Are you with me? Welcome to Life Church. We're going for it this morning, Pastor Scott. God's order, amen? Here's the other thing. The word we just read says they were both, male and female, created in his image, all right? If we were both, if men and women were both created in the image of God, then we are equal in the eyes of God. All right, and this first scripture in First Peter that we read about submission, wives submit to your husband, is one of the most abused scriptures in all of church history because it's been used to oppress and control and tell women you're not equal. God created man greater, you're secondary. But the word of God says they were both created in the image of God, so men and women are equal but with different roles. Do you understand that? Equal but with different roles. 
Another point. Say amen if you're still with me. Amens make me feel good, like you're getting it. The set, another point under this understanding God's order, men are the head of the household. All right? So you can be offended by that. You can think that's old school and that's antiquated. That is part of God's order. Let's look at Scripture. Ephesians 5.22, we're going to talk about this more. Similar wording that Paul uses, wives, submit to your own husbands as you do for the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. We're going to touch on that in a lot of detail later. We're going to dive into Ephesians 5. But we're talking about the order of God right now. The men are the head of the household. Now, men, I'm going to come for you right now. Are you ready? Are you ready? God is calling you men to return to being priests of your households. I'm going to say it again. God is calling you men to return to being priests in your household. You are gatekeepers in your See, you can't just take the scripture and say, "Oh, I'm the head of the household." I, you know, and and lord that over. Do you know do you understand what comes with that, men? I told you I'm coming for you this morning. What comes with that? You are a gatekeeper in your household. You're a gatekeeper in your marriage. You're a gatekeeper in the lives of your children. What does that mean? That's not just a fancy word to use. This is what that means. What you allow into your life will be allowed into your household. What you allow, the, the hidden sin you're dealing with, the, the stuff that you're like, well, it's okay for me to watch this. It's okay for me to talk like this. It's okay for me to... to Whatever, that is what you are essentially saying, this is okay for my household. And spiritually, if you understand what that means, you actually are allowing access to things into your family. Do you hear me this morning? We have to begin to, th- to understand, rather than throwing scriptures around like, men are the head of the household and God created men. That is scripture, but do you know what that means? There have been times that, that my wife has struggled in certain areas, and I've been like, well, honey, you just got to deal with that and get stronger, and what's your deal? Come on, we got to rise above that. And the Lord has shown me that's something you've allowed in as a gatekeeper because you haven't dealt with that yourself. I won't go into the specifics of that, but that is the spiritual principle. Are you with me? Men, you are gatekeepers. And You know, society right now is, see, all of this stuff is linked in the spirit. You have to have eyes to see what's going on in the spirit. Society right now is is set out to weaken and demoralize men, right? Toxic masculinity. And listen, we're not talking about any of that. This is why I said you have to study scripture and you can't just pick verses out and say, Men is the, I'm the head of the household because that can lead to unhealthy, abusive behavior, manipulation, and all sorts of stuff, right? If you study what it means to be a man throughout Scripture, you see the biblical view of that, and you see that and you understand why I believe there is an attack, a demonic attack against men in our generation, because if you can take the head of the household, the head of the family, the head of the children, the gatekeeper out, you have access to the whole family. And if the family crumbles, we know what that means for a society, right? We see it happening all around us. I want to tell you just a quick story. Are you still with me this morning? You good? I want to tell you a quick story that just happened this week with my 10-year-old, my 10-year-old daughter. 
she was having normal, I can't believe it, but she's a preteen. How many of you know sometimes, it's not always about a number, but it's about the attitude. Amen? Parents, come on. I'm like, oh my goodness, she's a preteen. It's starting. <laughs> so she was having normal, normal things, you know, some things were said about her in school and something else that my, my wife had said to her inadvertently. And, you know, I was, there was another disciplinary issue that I was talking to her about. And I was saying, we were talking about repentance versus rebellion, just a very simple thing. And I thought, well, she's going to just be repentant. She's going to repent. And we, you know, go that. And she, instead of being repentant for the thing, she started she started to just, she was just like, everybody hates me, and I hate myself, and it just went to this, you know, you learn how to discern, whoa, something, something else is going on right here. Something, that was something else. And so I, in that moment, had a decision as a father, am I just going to punish her? What I wanted to do was say, you're in your room for a month, you're grounded, and punish her, punish the rebellion out of her. But I had discernment, and I felt the Holy Spirit saying, something else is going on here. And I I chose to go down that route. And long story short, the Holy Spirit gave me this whole picture of my daughter's heart and that there were seeds that she had allowed to be planted by things that had been said, and she was hiding and covering them up. And I explained that to her. I said, I think here's what's happening. You've these things are planted in your heart, and you're going to let them grow into this big tree, and it's going to, you're going to be tw- 10 years from now and depressed and angry and suicidal if you let these things grow. And I said, and she said, well, how do I get rid of them? And I said, well, Jesus is going to get rid of them, and we're going to pray about it. And we went, I went through inner healing with my 10-year-old daughter, and she didn't want to talk about it. She didn't want to go there. She was crying. And for the past four days, I promise you before God, she's come to me three or four times a day, and said, Daddy, can we talk some more about all that stuff? Amen? But listen, the point, what is the point? That I was a priest in the household. I was a priest. And if I would have let, if I would have just been like, well, I don't know how to deal with that, and I don't, you know, that thing, who knows the trajectory of her life, because now not only was that dealt with, but now she knows I have to watch out for seeds being planted in my heart, and I can't let them grow. Do you understand? Men, it's time to rise up. Say amen if you're with me. Amen. I won't stay on that point anymore. That's only number one. Hallelujah. Let's go to the second one. Four points of marriage. This is a big, big, big one. Marriage is a covenant and not a contract. All right? You don't get married and come up to Pastor Scott and he's doing the ceremony and he says, today we enter into this marriage contract right? No. Today, we're entering into the covenant of marriage. Say covenant. I want to give you some points, because if you don't understand the difference between covenant and contract, you are setting yourself up in marriage to fail from the very beginning. Married people, say amen. Contracts and covenants are not the same thing. Here's some differences. Number one, I'm just going to, they're going to put these up. Hopefully, it'll work all right as we're going through. Number one, While a contract is legally binding, a covenant is a spiritual agreement. Number two, a contract is an agreement between parties, while a covenant is a pledge. Number three, a covenant is an agreement you can break, while a, uh, sorry, a contract is an agreement you can break, while a covenant is a perpetual promise. 
Number four, you seal a covenant while you sign a contract. A contract is mutually beneficial relationship while a covenant is something you fulfill. A contract exchanges one good for another while a covenant is giving oneself to the other. You can opt out of a contract while a covenant is about having the strength to hold up your part of the promise. The last one, one can stop paying in a contract when one party is not fulfilling their part in the deal. However, in a covenant, the party not getting their needs met supports the failing party so that they can meet their obligations. Do you understand the difference? In a contract, you can bail out. You each have an agreement. You do this. I'll do this. As long as you're doing your part, I'm all in, and you're all in, and the contract's good. A covenant says, this is what you're going to do. This is what I'm going to do. But if you fail to hold up your side, I'm still going to do what I'm going to do. Are you with me? Do you understand the difference? A covenant says, regardless of what happens on the other side, I'm still in. And I'm in this, what do we say? Until death do us part. A lot of those vows nowadays are being changed, saying things like, until love do us part. Right? Literally. Like, I I know pastors who have allowed that. But I'm telling you, there's something to saying, until death do us part. Now, that is not a license, men and women, to go out and take that into your own, own hands. Amen? In marriage? Ooh, we didn't get a lot of laughs, right? Yes, that's what Pastor Scott said. You don't believe in divorce, but murder is always an option, right? No, that's not in the Scripture. But do we understand covenant? God, God is a God of covenant. And see, this is why you have to understand this all ties back. God himself, did God make a contract with you through Jesus Christ? Well, you can be saved through my son as long as you do X, Y, and Z. But as soon as you change that, well, the contract's over. Is that what he did? No. He made a covenant. He made a covenant with us through the, the blood of his son so that no matter what we do, as much as we fail, as long as we're repentant, as long as we come back to him, that is an everlasting promise that God is a God of covenant. He did the same thing with the people of Israel, with the Jewish people. Right now, many of them have a veil over their eyes. They don't believe in Jesus, but his covenants, I believe, that he made with Abraham is still good, even so much that Paul in Romans 11 says, we as Gentiles are grafted in to the covenant that God made with Abraham. Are you with me? God is a God of covenant. Think of the attack right now on covenant in the earth. You have to have spiritual eyes to see what's going on. Marriage is being attacked right now by the enemy. Even, again, you have to have eyes to see, even the usage of the rainbow. What was the rainbow in Scripture? It was the sign of what? God's, say it, God's covenant with Noah that he would never uh, flood the earth. So even that symbol has been taken and now is used in the place of the removal of the order of God. Do you see how these things all tie together? And I'm telling you, the Lord is, is, is telling us as people of God in the institution of marriage to understand covenant. Why? Not just so that your marriage will last, but because it's how he ordained things to be, because he's a God of covenant. Are you with me? I just want to show you one other graphic here to drive this point home. You guys can put that one up. Hopefully it will show up okay. 
Um, it might be too small to read it. But it's the top reasons for uh, divorce. If it doesn't go up there, I'll show you. Uh, I'll just I'll read them. But essentially, people who have gone through divorce checked off these things. So the percentages don't add up to 100 because there's, people are checking multiple things. But the number one, by far, reason for divorce, this is recent, within the last few months, it's a Forbes survey. The number one reason was lack of commitment. It wasn't infidelity. The number three reason was arguing and conflict. And then below that is all sorts of other things like financial problems, religious differences, all the, they're all much smaller. But the number one reason was lack of commitment. And I would say not understanding covenant. Covenant, till death do us part. Are you with me? Amen. The amen's got a little less on that one, but we got two more to go. So, all right, let's look at number three. Number three. The third principle of marriage, iron sharpening iron. We've got some mm-hmms, but not some amens there. <laughs> Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Proverbs 27, 17. Now, I want to show you a quick video clip because this is an Old Testament scripture, so you have to understand what... Their understanding of iron sharpening iron wasn't fancy machinery and all the stuff we have today. Their understanding of iron sharpening iron was blacksmithing, right? Let's look at this video. If you guys can play the video, here it comes. This is what iron sharpening iron was. This is a real blacksmith. That's your marriage right there. Say amen. Metal has to be heated up to thousands of degrees. And then to sharpen it and to shape it, you don't just kind of rub it lightly with sandpaper, right? That is how iron, the hammer, is sharpening iron. Come on, put your marriage in that video right now. Say amen. That's it. Pastor Scott, that was a little too loud of an amen down in front. Look at it, iron sharpening iron. Iron, as iron sharpens iron, one person sharpens another. I hear so many times, well, my marriage is just too hard. And you know what my answer to that honestly is, initially, is good. It's working the way it should. Amen? Iron, listen, you don't need, and this is, again, where in society we, we, we have the romance movie approach, like, I'm, that's awesome. Be in love and have romance and all of that. But we throw those terms around and we don't realize that I believe what the Lord is actually after is someone to walk with you in covenant, right? In covenant so that you can be sharpened to be who you're supposed to become. Iron sharpens iron. So one person, is your marriage hard? Is your marriage like that video we saw? Great. That's part of what it's supposed to be. And that is the point where many people think, well, something's wrong here. Whoa, okay. I'm not with the right person or we're not compatible or it's not, it's not like I'm seeing in Hollywood. I'm telling you to understand the biblical principle of what the Lord does in marriage. That is a huge part of it. Say amen if you're with me on that. Confrontation 
develops your character. You need to be with someone. Young people, if you're not married and you're looking, you need to be with someone you're attracted to. Be with someone you love. Be with someone you have fun with. Yes, amen. Absolutely, right? But be with someone who's going to sharpen you and call you higher. Be with someone who's going to make sure that you're walking forward into the character of Christ that's going to pull things out of you. Listen, sometimes it's not, you know, oh, let's sit down and have a talk and talk about your character. No, sometimes they just plain old tick you off. Amen? It's that hammer, and you've been heated up. Some of you have a temper that gets 3,000 degrees Fahrenheit, but that's the place where you are able to be formed by the hitting of your hammer, your other half. Iron sharpens iron. And here's the key, back to the covenant point. When iron sharpening iron happens in a contract... It's very easy to break that and walk away for any number of reasons. When iron sharpening iron happens in a a covenant until death do us part, that's when you're going to be formed into the character of Christ. Covenant is important to understand. Say amen if you understand that. Amen. The last one. Let's move on. The last point. Are you getting something out of these today? Happy Valentine's Day, Life Church. (laughs) Hooray. I mean, I'd rather preach real to you than just give a fluffy love sermon. Amen? Come on. You thought it was going to be a Valentine's Day service. Let's look at the last point, the last one, and we're going to dive into Ephesians. The last one is submission and servanthood. Submission and servanthood. I'm going to talk about how these work together. Let's look at Ephesians 5.22 quickly. Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, his body of which he is Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now, men, we love to stop there and just drill that point home. But there are twice as many scriptures we're about to read that have to do with us, men. So let's go there. Amen. Verse, all the women said, amen. amen. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband." Here's the thing that strikes me about that whole section of Ephesians 5, that love is at the root of biblical understanding of submission. And I'm going to quote our lovely pastor's wife because she came on our podcast and said this, and I've never forgotten it. You may not even remember. But she said, The way to understand submission is to understand how Jesus himself submitted to God the Father. Was Jesus God? Yes. Jesus was 
God and man. He was equal with God, yet over and over and over and over and over and over, Jesus chose to say, I'm not going to do what I want to do, but what the Father shows me. What the Father tells me to do, I'm doing the Father's will. That is the biblical. See, submission is not a subservient, I'm not as good as, and I'm I just can't do anything. It's not this victim mentality. It's no, I'm equal, but I'm choosing from the place of love to honor and to follow God's order because that's what Scripture says. Amen? Now, men, what we have to do in return, to me, my perspective, is it's a lot harder, if I can be honest. (laughs) Women, you just have to submit unto the Lord, to your husband, That's your role. I'm not saying that's easy. Trust me, don't throw me off the stage. But men, this is what you have to do. You have to die to yourself and to your flesh and to everything else around you in the same way Jesus died on the cross for your wife. That's what Scripture says, right? We love to take the submit to your husband's thing out and just throw it all around. But then what we're required to do is lay down everything Everything to serve, say serve, men. Say it loud. To serve your wife. Your life is not your own anymore. When you enter into marriage, men, your life now is about being like Jesus and what he did for us and serving and laying down. This is why I said this last point is submission and servanthood, both at once. Love is at the root of the biblical understanding of submission, Jesus submitted to the Father, as we said. Let's read one more scripture, Philippians 2, 5. You guys can put it up there. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Even death on a cross. Jesus submitted himself to the cross for love and to serve us. Men, in the same way, that's your role towards your husband or towards your wife. I have to tell you one more story, and then we'll wrap up for time's sake. One more story. The other, back in December, I don't even actually remember what the issue was, but there was something Sarah did, my wife, that just ticked me off. How many of you have ever been there? I don't even, I really don't remember what it was. It was something that just, I was like, I was so mad and I was so absolutely, you're all laughing. I was absolutely convinced a hundred thousand percent that she was wrong in what she did. 100% convinced. And so I was just waiting for the Lord. Lord, you're going to show and reveal all things in your wisdom, and you'll show this woman you've put me with exactly her error, the error of her ways, right? How many of you prayed, men? That's the husband's prayer, right? And I really prayed about it because it was actually really bothering me, and it it was, so I took it to the Lord. And you do know what happened? The, The Holy Spirit said, What she did might have been wrong, but this is really about the pride issue in your life in that area. The the Lord said, you're too proud to die to that thing, and that's why it's bothering you so much. And I was like, Lord, come on now. I mean, (laughs) I was just kidding, you know. (laughs) 
But how much does that little, how much does that embody what we're talking about today? There was iron sharpening iron in the relationship. And I was, as the husband, invited to a deeper level of dying to my rights and myself and my pride to serve my wife in that situation. Are you with me? See, this is why, this is why you could teach about marriage for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks out of the Bible because all of the godly principles that are in the word are wrapped up in the institution and the covenant of marriage. Say amen if you believe that. And as, yeah, as the worship team just comes back up, I want us to now read that same scripture where we started and we read a lot of other scripture that says a lot of the same things. But I want to read this. I just want you to close your eyes and bow your heads, whether you're man or woman, married, unmarried. Because in a lot of ways, we started with 1 Peter 3. And what I said at the beginning, if we are reading scripture like this through cultural lenses, we're going to miss... I believe what the word is saying. I want to read this now and think about this scripture as I read it against the backdrop of those four points. Number one, understanding God's order. Number two, covenant versus contract. Number three, iron sharpening iron. Number four, submission coupled with servanthood. Here we go. Let's read 1 Peter. Lord, give us your eyes to see through your lens, not through culture. 1 Peter 1, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence in your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornments such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight, For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Verse 7, Husbands, in the same way be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner, as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Father, this morning we say that we want to be a people who understand your word and walk in your word. Lord, we pray that we here at Life Church and just as Christians in the earth would understand the institution of marriage, even in this Valentine's Day week, that we would understand covenant, that we would understand iron sharpening iron. Lord, that we would understand your way and your order that doesn't change as culture changes and shifts, but remains the same. And Lord, that there would be a grace on us to walk in your word and your wisdom in Jesus' name.